Uh, months later after that, I actually met my, um, my best friend. He's here today. His name is Dan. Um, we started grade one together at our elementary school in Oshawa. And from that point, he and I have kind of grown up together. We are only a couple months apart in age, and so we've shared a lot of life experiences together. A few weeks ago, Pastor Bill was talking about relationships, and he described like a uh, level three friendship, and my friendship with Dan is truly a level three uh, a friendship. And that friendship began with him in this year of my life. We've been friends uh, since, uh, since I was six years old. And so that's a really important uh, piece of, of, that, of that year to me, but not the one I wanted to share with you most. The story I wanted to share with you most about this time in my life took place in the summer while I was attending a day camp. Uh, one of the weeks in the summer, my parents signed me up for this Christian camp hosted by a church in town that wasn't our home church. It was uh, a different uh, church in town. And so I remember I was attending this camp, and because the camp was put on by people that I wasn't familiar with and campers that I wasn't really familiar with, I remember being really afraid and a little timid, and maybe some of you can relate to that. I was maybe a bit more shy as a young person. And so I remember feeling anxious and overwhelmed that week, and on top of that, the second last day of camp, the main coach of the camp told us that the next day we would have one-on-one -on -one conversations with our counselor to have maybe the one most impactful conversations of our lifetime. We were going to talk about if we had given our heart to the Lord. And now at this point, at age six, I had probably been to Sunday school every Sunday of my life. Uh, which if you do the math quickly, it's like 312 times. So if you include like baby times that I was at church, 312 times, it's likely that I had given my heart to the Lord during Sunday school one of the times before. Maybe you can relate to that. If you were ever given that opportunity in Sunday school, you just took it because you wanted to be sure <laughs> that you had been saved. Well, I, I'm sure that that had happened, but in the moment I couldn't remember. And I figured if I couldn't remember, I probably shouldn't tell my camp counselor that I had because that would be deceitful. But if I told him, then that would mean that I would have to have this conversation uh, about something I was really anxious and afraid. So I remember going home that night, and I, uh, I told my mom. I said, Mom, you know, I have a huge problem. Can you make it go away, right? Um, I remember telling her I was stressed out. I think I even remember faking sick at one point so that I didn't have to go back to camp and have this conversation. And so she, rather than, uh, you know, letting me stay home, she actually offered me a better solution. She asked me if I wanted to give my heart to Jesus that evening. I remember being surprised that you could do that at home and not at church. <laughs> and so I was really excited to do that. I thought that that was a great solution. So that evening, we went up to my bedroom. My bedroom was on the second floor at the top of the stairs, and we were kneeling beside my bed. And while we were kneeling beside my bed, my mom explained to me the reality of our situation as human beings. You know, our issue with sin, but the hope that we can have through Jesus Christ. We prayed a prayer that when something like this might sound familiar to you, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and my life. And that was an impactful moment uh, for me. Um, so the next, the next day, I went to camp. I didn't uh, stay home and fake sick. And I went to my one-on-one -on -one meeting, and I was actually really proud to do this now. Uh, I was proud uh, to say that I had given my heart to the Lord. I was proud because I felt like I had made a really good decision, but also a little bit relieved that I didn't have to talk to them for too long. Uh, 
And then I think we probably high-fived or something like that, and I jumped into my normal routine of getting ready to go home. Perhaps some of you can relate to pieces of my story. You know, maybe you also have an experience as a young person where you can remember praying a similar prayer. Or perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps you were older when you recognized Jesus for who he was, who he is, and, and uh, you accepted the offer that he gives to us freely of his grace. And perhaps you think of that moment as an impactful moment in your life too. And I really hope that you do. Um, if you've accepted uh, the decision to follow Jesus, you place your faith in his saving grace, you know, how could we ever stop talking about that truth? Do you remember the moment or a moment when you realized that Jesus loves you so much that he would actually come to this earth to rescue you? It's the message of the gospel we read stated in John chapter 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but live eternal life. It's fantastic news for those who believe. It's the gift of salvation from sin and death. It's definitely something we're thankful for. It's good news for us. It's the hope that we have a better future than a life under the weight of sin. It's the act of God to rescue that which he loves, which is you and me, and actually all of humanity. So in the context of our topic today, the Christian life, is that what the Christian life is for us? When we talk about Christian living, is being saved what it means to live the Christian life? It's no doubt important, but it raises a question about the nature of our faith. Is being saved the end in which we live? Is, is, is the purpose in our life just to be saved, or is there more to our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ? See, if Jesus' incarnation, his death, and his resurrection is simply a transactional qualification for us, are we actually seeing God's mission in the world from a full perspective? And that's what we're going to talk about today. I, I think the answer to that question is no way. <laughs> If your decision and my decision to accept the grace of God offered through Jesus Christ is the only aspect of our faith journey, then I really think we're missing out on what God has for us, so much of what he has for us. So again, so this is where we talk about the, the topic of Christian living. It's a, it's a life living as the, a follower of Jesus. It seems clear that our lives have a, a purpose after a moment of salvation, but what is it? What is the purpose? So today we'll turn to our main text this morning uh, from the letter to the Ephesians written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're reading from chapter 2 verses 8 and 10. It'll be on the screen for you to follow along. Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, salvation from sin is not the end of our story, but actually a beginning. It's a beginning of a life that is totally influenced and impacted by our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and his new creation. Once we are saved, there is more for us to do. So we've broken this passage, particularly verse 10, into three chunks that we will move through uh, this morning. So three chunks. Chunk number one, 
is that we are made new. We are created in Christ Jesus. What does this mean for us? Well, Paul writes of all believers that we're actually God's handiwork. We're created through Jesus. We're his uh, handiwork. It also means like his worksmanship or that which he has made. This is your identity as a Christian. If you believe in Jesus, then you are something that God has worked for. You are his handiwork. Each of us, individually and all together, we represent uh, God's work in this world. There's a very direct quality regarding what that means for us. It's not a side effect of Christ's saving grace that we have this identity. It's the direct result of his work that our lives in him are not an accident or an incident that we are created to be something that he has made. Paul describes this creation in uh, another letter, a letter to the Galatians, Uh, In chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we live, by faith in him, Jesus, who loved us and gave his life for us. We live by faith in the Son of God. But once we're made new in Christ, is that when he is finished with us? Is, Is that potentially when we're finished With him, again, I would say, no way, that we're constantly being made new in and through Jesus. In another letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he writes this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's a continual purpose for our lives here on earth. Salvation is not the end in itself, but it is truly the beginning. So it's the beginning, but... Uh, The beginning of what? What is the purpose uh, for what we're created to do? Well, this brings us to chunk number two, which is to do good works. So good works. Here we have a description of our purpose of our lives in Christ. Um, It's not our qualifications. So listen again to verses eight and nine, our, our purpose and not our qualifications. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So here, when we are saved by God, it is actually because of him alone that we are redeemed. This has actually been a challenging principle for the church, both in its early stages and throughout history, to understand that God's grace is actually something that is given to us uh, freely. Um, As a people, as a humanity, sometimes we do this weird thing. It's a common theme in the New Testament where we actually forget that God's grace is free and try to begin working to earn it. Um, But we need to know for our discussion today, we need to be reminded that when we were saved by Jesus, by grace, there's actually nothing that we had done to earn it. But once we're made alive in Christ, the good things that we do are actually just a reflection of him changing us. Works are the purpose. They're the action or activity or anything to be done. It's, it's our purpose. But what are good works necessarily? Well, good today is harder to describe, especially in our current culture. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about something that's good. It seems kind of subjective and often gets lost in our individualized society. However, there's a story in the Gospels which will be helpful for us this morning. Uh, we actually talked about it a few weeks ago with Pastor Bill. Um, when he was sharing about uh, the rich young man who approaches Jesus and he asks him 
um, you know, what he can do to inherit eternal life. It's a story that's found in the Gospel of Mark and also Matthew and Luke. <clears throat> so this young man comes up to Jesus and asks him, he says, you know, good teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus actually stops him at the beginning. He says, you know, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. He uses the word good. No one is good except for God. This is the same word in the original uh, language as we find in our passage from the letter to the Ephesians. If none is good but God alone, then the good works that we're to do, they're actually not just good morally upright deeds. They're not just for my benefit or your benefit. They're actually God's good deeds. They reflect the nature and will of God because God is good. No one is good except for God alone. Uh, Paul reinforces this idea when he writes to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're called and motivated and empowered by God uh, in our churches, in our lives to do these things. What are we to do? Are we to kind of work off of them maybe from a list of things that qualify as good deeds? Well, no, we're actually, our responsibility is to have the attitude of surrender and allow God to inspire the good things that we do in our lives. Um, there's a, a verse uh, later on in the letter to the Ephesians and in chapter five, uh, verses 15 to 17. I'll just read the end of 17. Uh, Paul writes to the uh, Ephesians, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's our role as Christian living, to understand what God's will is for us and then to do it. Which brings us again to chunk number three, which is that God has prepared in advance for us these good works to do, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. This is a huge point for us this morning, that our creation in Christ Jesus is more than simply a personal renewal. It's actually more than just a chapter in my story. It's more than a chapter in your story. It actually introduces you and your life into God's story. The life you live in Christ actually becomes a contribution to his narrative of the good things that he is doing in this world and what we read in scripture. There's a larger picture here and sometimes we can forget it, when we are quick to recognize uh, our own salvation apart from his story. This is the story that, uh, that we read in the Bible. If, if, if you're familiar with the story, you'll recognize some of these events. You know, God's story is larger than just us. It involves actually the creation of the universe, the creation of the human people, the falling of the human people, the choosing of the nation of Israel, a promise of a Messiah, God speaking through his prophets, and then God sending eventually his son, Jesus, to fulfill all of these things. But it doesn't stop there. It continues with Jesus establishing his church, the endurance of the church through persecution and trial, the presence of the Holy Spirit and his work, and ultimately it will include the return of King Jesus at the end of this age. It's the gospel message. It's, it is something that we're quick to miss out on, when we celebrate our own salvation apart from the calling to follow Jesus. We miss out on the overwhelming reality that God is redeeming all of creation through his son from the evil that has corrupted this world since the fall. We miss out actually on 
the impact of living the Christian life when we allow ourselves to stop at being just saved and not continuing any further. But how sweet is it to realize that God's active involvement, his choice in this world was to reach out to you and I, not just to rescue us from sin, but also to an extended invitation to become a part of a reality. You are his handiwork. Some translations read that we are his masterpiece. Not only do you contribute to his redemptive work in the world by accepting his gift of grace, but you can actually also become an active member of redeeming his world. This is the Christian life. This is the call to follow Jesus. It's a recognition that your life in any circumstance is and can be a signal of God's grace in this world. There's a, an author, his name is Dallas Willard. Uh, he said in an interview regarding his book, The Divine Conspiracy, that the gospel message can be described as the good news, whoever you are and wherever you are, can be involved in what God is doing now in this universe. And so in that knowledge, we can be redeemed freely, knowing that we don't have to do anything to earn our place, our standing with God, but that we can be a very active member in participating in the renewal of this world through Jesus by being the worksmanship that he has created us to be in the fullest measure and doing the good works he's inspired us to do. Um, I'm not much of a craftsman. I'm not, I'm not especially creative. I'm not especially handy uh, with my hands. Sometimes I find it frustrating to uh, make into reality what I can picture in my head. However, in my first year of high school, I took an introductory woodshop class. Um, it was an experience onto its own, but uh, our major assignment was to create a coat rack that you could hang three coats on, it had a shelf. It was uh, quite, the, quite the ordeal. So in order to complete the assignment, to make the coat rack, I went to the wood pile in our shop and I grabbed all the pieces that I thought would work for my project. I placed them where I had planned for them to go uh, in advance so that all of those pieces together, they would serve a specific purpose. Uh, when I was finished, I was so proud of my coat rack that I actually cut out uh, in one of the sides uh, the shape of a C for my name, Cameron, so that everybody could see how proud I was of what I had made. When I brought it home, my dad helped me mount it on the wall in our front hallway, and so everybody can see it. And that's still to this day where I hang my coat every time I go home. How wonderful is it to be loved by a God who makes us into something beautiful, much more beautiful than my simple coat rack? And as proud as I am of that coat rack, think about how proud the Father is of what he has made in you. Look at, look at you and your life and yourself and all of the things that he has done for you. You and I are created in Christ Jesus to be dynamic representatives of the risen king who model for the world the influence of our creator on our lives. Together, we are his church. We're his body. We're the instrument of his kingdom in this world. Whether we choose to model this well or sometimes we miss the mark, that's who we are. That is our identity as the handiwork of the Father. 
So friends, today we have a choice. Let's not miss the mark of modeling who we actually, who we are, our identity. Let's let the hope we have in our Savior be expressed in our outward demonstration of being his worksmanship in this world. When I was six years old, I accepted Jesus as the Savior of my life and the King of my world. That experience changed my life. Earlier I told you it was the highlight of my whole sixth year of living. But if the story stopped there, then I really do think that we miss out. God's plan for my life was so much larger than that one-time personal renewal. His plan for my life, it's the same plan generally that he has for your lives. It's the same plan that he has for your friends and your neighbors and this whole world. It's to renew it completely. He has created us, given us life through his son, and he wants to use you and I in dynamic ways to do the good works that he has wanted us to do from long ago. So let's pause here for a moment as we come to, come to a conclusion this morning. How could God be calling you to enter into his story of renewal? What are some ways that he could be using your unique circumstance to join his story? Many of you in this room today, or, or, or perhaps if you listen online later, you have a story of your own when you came to the realization of who Jesus is and how his good news is actually something that you wanted to be a part of. Perhaps you made that decision and you've been actively learning the wonder of what it means to follow him, what it means to participate in this Christian life as an active member of his handiwork. Let this be a reminder to you today that the call to Christian living is more than just doing. It is absolutely about being who he has made you to be. If you are struggling to believe that, there is no time uh, that's better than the present to earnestly believe that you are what he has made. When we be who he made us to be, that's when we're able to truly do what he wants us to do. Maybe you're here today and you've accepted salvation through Jesus, but the circumstances of your walk have actually been discouraging. And in this season of your life, it may be difficult to navigate, you know, just your regular life than to actually recognize that God is calling you to something more. And so for you today, I want to encourage you. Know that you belong to a community that is being renewed daily in the direction of his will. That you have support and that his will for you and your life is to continue on a path, a path of renewal that includes peace and hope and joy and so much beauty. There is an incredible amount of hope whoever you are and wherever you are. And maybe you're here today and you haven't made yet the decision to believe in the person, the Messiah that we call Jesus. You, you have yet to buy into his message about who and whose you are. Well, if you're checking out what it means to be created in Jesus, I just wanna say that we are actually so glad to have you here today. I would encourage you, to use this opportunity to connect with someone here today who might be able to have a conversation with you about who Jesus is and who he wants to make you into. So as we conclude, the, the band can actually make their way up uh, 
uh, in the next couple moments. One day, one day of my life already happened. One day I'll be far from six years old, which is, uh, yeah, that's correct. I'm older than six right now. Maybe one day I'll make it to 96. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be cool. Uh, and I could come back and I could tell you all of the most impactful things that happened in the 96th year of my life. Like maybe I'll get to go to Dan's 96th birthday party. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. He was born before me, so that won't happen. Um, maybe I'll take on a new woodworking project. I'm not sure. But all of that stuff in comparison of what I really want to say fades into the background. What I really want to be able to say, if I ever reach that age, uh, Lord willing, is that I used every opportunity in that year and all of the 89 other years of serving Jesus that I hit the mark with my life, that I didn't do anything to earn his saving grace, but that I wanted to participate so strongly in what he was doing in this world, that I allowed the Holy Spirit to inspire good works in me, his good works in me, and that it overflowed to the world around me. I want to say that my life was clearly connected with his story. And what I don't even want to say, I just want it to be visible that when people look at my life, they just see the evidence of God and his impact all throughout. What do you want that to look like in your life? Think about what it would do for our church that we call Calvary Pentecostal Church, for our city of Peterborough, if each of us asked God to show us how he wants to use us, how he wants to continue making us as his workmanship. So as we conclude this morning, let's, let's choose to be people who strongly believe in the risen King, Jesus. Let's be people who commit our lives to trusting fully in him. Let's be people who long for the eternal life that we can inherit through Christ. People who individually and collectively live in the fullest measure as his handiwork created through Jesus. Let's be a church who do great works, not to prove ourselves as great people, but to do them because they're godly works with and for the glory of our Father. A church who joins with our God who is planning long, long ago to save and redeem our world. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the incredible gift of salvation that you give us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. How could we ever stop marveling at your grace and your love? We thank you for the hope that you have given us for life eternal. Father, we also remember today that you call us into a new life. We thank you for that opportunity. We thank you that you have chosen to make us into something new, which is your work in this world. Lord, please help us to remember our identity in you, that we are something that you have made. Holy Spirit, please grant us strength, courage, and endurance to live out this identity in the fullest measure. And Father, we pray for our world that you would continue to redeem all things, each and every one. 
We pray that the world would be redeemed quickly and would quickly and strongly testify of who you are. And we, we pray this in Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen.